Hey, you're back. Good to have you on the Marketing to Win podcast again. Today, I am talking with Abel Keogh, who is an automation guy over at Mountain America Credit Union. And since that's more B2C and my experience is B2B, we have an awesome conversation on the difference between the two, the mindset and how you approach it. And we throw some SMS in there too, our thoughts on it. So um, love this guy. He's got a lot of good ideas. He's an award-winning marketer, by the way, when it comes to automation. And so there's a lot to learn from him. Hope you enjoy. So we had predetermined since uh, it's more of kind of like just a personal chat rather than like what the work you're doing on, you know, over the credit union right now directly. Um, previously decided to talk about like the differences between uh, B2B automation and B2C, mm-hmm. which I think could go really long ways. And then I, I wanted to touch on SMS too. So, sure. um, so I, I put together a couple of notes and I want I want you actually to tell me what I'm missing or what I'm wrong here about because, uh, which by the way, actually, before I get into this, mm-hmm. um, Abel is an award-winning marketing automation <laughs> guy. I want to make sure, and that's not like, like it's legit multi. So, so give a quick intro about you, what you've been doing, like what you do um, and stuff for context. Yeah, so I've uh, been in marketing automation probably going on about uh, 10 years now, Uh, five years in the B2B space and about just about the same amount of time in the B2C space. Um, Yeah, and I've I've worked on all the major platforms, Eloqua, uh, Marketo, uh, and even some of the more uh, minor ones, and I do some uh, consulting. And as you said, yes, we won. Um, I have won a Marquee Award. I, well, my team has won a Marquee Award for uh, best mobile experience, and we've also been a finalist in that uh, five times as well. So, uh, the work we do, I mean, I'm really excited. Automation is just something I'm really excited and passionate about, and it's something that um, uh, that I love talking about, and uh, you know, love working with you know. Uh, consulting and just working with people on because it's really a great way to just drive engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, if, if we look at COVID world too, right? Like if you've built a brand that kind of has that engagement set in like companies that were dependent on trade shows or events got totally blown up. Right. And if, if like not having the work before then to, to have other experiences, um, might've put them in pretty deep water. Um, awesome. So here's, here's how I'd like to paint the B2B versus B2C um, stuff when it comes to automation. And I actually put automation into three different categories. So um, because uh, basically it's how you apply automation to certain business models. Um, And so the way I think of it is uh, one bucket is a really heavy content nurture. So what this bucket would be would be long sales cycle B2B brands right? Complex, the eight, like the annual contract is really high. So sales cycle might be six to 12 months, maybe, you know, more, um, loads of people involved. And so, uh, you build, uh, a lot of educational content. Um, you build a lot of experiences that try and build trust and facilitate, uh, you know, moving things down the pipeline. Um, and whether that comes in form of, you know, I, most people would think of like drip campaigns and stuff like that. So that's one bucket. <clears throat> um, the next bucket I would say is more of like a product led 
automation uh, nurture. I don't, I don't think nurturing is the right way, but my company cloud up is a great example. So we're a freemium SaaS. I think SaaS is the most excellent example of this. If they try and get you in, right. And then most of the automation is trying to get you to use it, trying to build habits, trying to build use cases and really apply the product to the individual. So it's less, um, less heavy nurture. A lot of times like in ours too, like the initial contract is small because we get people in the door. Um, sell cycles crazy fast for most deals. And, um, and, and then, you know, as you scale up into enterprises, then it kind of becomes a different story. And then the last would be more of like the direct to consumer kind of products. I think the credit union would, would fall into this. Um, I think it's easier to think of merchandise a little bit with this, right? So uh, clothing brands, Nike, whatever, that's product led too. But, um, and I have the least amount of experience with this actually pretty much none just as more of like a consumer and analyzing it. But they really, that automation drives experiences that really try and build loyalty to the brand, right? Really experience-based stuff. Um, and then from a messaging standpoint, there's a lot of discounts um, and, and, and frequent product release cycles, right? Fall, Correct. winter, like mm -hmm. you're, you're always kind of turning over inventory that you can kind of pitch. So I put those into those three buckets. Uh, would you add or take away from that? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think the only thing I would change on that is that there are some B2C products that could probably fall into the first bucket with a, a longer sales cycle. Um, you can think of something like a mortgage or maybe even something like buying a car. Um, maybe it's not months and months, but people tend to do a lot of research first, uh, you know, you know, or, or you like in the, uh, you know, so like with buying a car, it'd be, you know, several weeks or months, even, you know, you know, they may be in the market, but, you know, they're doing a lot of online research first. Um, but then the second one would be, you know, like something like a mortgage. Um, it could be that, you know, um, the, you know, that people want to buy a house, but, you know, I don't know, maybe they have bad credit or maybe like, you know, if you live where I live, the market is very hot right now. And, you know, it's just hard to find maybe the house that you want or you're getting out bid. And so there's, uh, I think, I think there can be some, some B2C, just some bigger purchases that you can put over in that first bucket, maybe just having a longer sales cycle. Uh, but I think that the application is the same in the sense that you talk about, you know, it takes a lot of education. Um, I think I, th I think companies that are doing the B2C long sales cycle right are the ones that, you know, um, say someone's, uh, again, I'll use the uh, mortgage example, say someone fills out a mortgage application to get pre-qualified and still could be, you know, again, depending on various issues, three to six months before they uh, find a house. Um, and is that organization doing a good job keeping that their name top of mind, reminding them, hey, you know, um, this is, you know, don't make any major purchases while you're looking to buy a house and things of that nature. You know, there's, I think there's lots of education that can go into that or, you know, in the case of buying a car, again, hopefully, um, you know, if they if they're able to capture the person's information, you know, you know, reminding them, hey, this is why you want to buy this car or this brand or things like that. Uh, but anyway, that, I think that's the only thing I changed, but I think otherwise I pretty much agree with what you said. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I had not thought of large B2C purchases. So I actually want to go in on that for just a little bit. Um, the mortgage example makes a lot of sense to me because of the image capture I, image. Oh my gosh. The, the information capturing like moment 
at the beginning of the process, right? That's mm -hmm. really easy. I, um, we're in the middle of building a house. And so our mortgage guys had our stuff forever. And I have not gotten like anything automated, certainly no educational content. Um, and he's done a couple of more personal touch stuff to keep up, but um, that one makes sense. The, the car one though is really interesting because I've been to dealerships before, you do a test drive, whatever. I've never given information, right? Like I, so I don't know if you've got an experience where maybe with like a car, right? I'm trying to think of maybe another mattress is pretty big. Um, what else would be, you know, like what, what, um, let's stick with the car example. Like, mm -hmm. have, have you had any experiences with that or like no brands that are doing that part of automation? Well, cause I can't um, think of any. Um, I can, I, I can give a, a personal experience and I can, it was a mixed bag on the automation side. So I actually did buy a car last year. Um, uh, the, the car I had been driving forever, finally just gave up the ghost and I needed a new car. And so, you know, I, you know, the first thing I did is went online and researched and I kind of narrowed it down to a car or two that I wanted. And of course, if you've been to a car website, they're always popping up things. Hey, you know, send us some information. And, you know, I tend not to want to do that because I don't want to necessarily, you know, peg them too early that, you know, I'm interested or I'm looking. Um, but I finally decided to swallow the thing. And finally, it was like, you know, I've got to make a, a decision here. Um, and so I filled out a form. And um, so again, uh, it was kind of a mixed automation experience. I did get, you know, right away, um, an automated email saying, hey, Abel, you know, thanks for your interest in this car, you know, a, you know, a salesperson will be in touch soon or something. And I, I, and I guess to be clear, it was on a Sunday when I filled this out. So at least, you know, you know, where I'm at, car dealerships are closed on Sunday, they're not allowed to open. So um, so part of the reason I did it on a Sunday is so I could just kind of have the information, you know, get, get it out there, but not be harassed in five minutes by a phone call or something yeah. like that. Um, so, so you're, um, you're jaded, so, you, you're, yeah. you're like, yeah. well, you know, it's I coming. Know, yeah, I know, I know what's coming and it's like, I don't want an immediate thing, but it, it was interesting. Um, so I got, I, I got like an automated email, but then what happened the uh, next day is that the salesperson reached out to me through text. And they were like, hey, you know, would, you know, let's schedule a test drive and stuff like that. And so, so whatever system they had, um, it notified the sales rep. So instead of actually calling me, they texted me, which I actually thought was a better way, at least for me to engage. And I, again, I don't know if it was an automated text or not. Um, it, it felt real, but it could have been automated. Uh, but I, I did get a, an automated text. And actually, we ended up scheduling the whole thing over text messages. <laughs> you know, you know, the whole, the whole you know, come in and test drive this car. Um, and, and so that was good in, the, in that point, I guess, you know, I said it, it was a mixed experience. The downside was, is, I don't know, they put me on some kind of annoying email list for the dealership <laughs> that really, you know, even, even after I bought the car, um, I wasn't getting relevant information. It was still like sales email. And I was kind of like, didn't you guys know I, I have bought a car, right? So shouldn't you, you be sending me like, hey, service emails or something else? It was still like, hey, we know this is our, whatever, our Labor Day sale. And it's like, I just bought a car. I'm not buying a, another car from you guys. So, you know, it was kind of a mixed bag. The initial experience was good. And 
all my interaction with the salesperson over text and you know their whole texting system was actually pretty good but like the follow-up on it after I bought the car it was like get me off this mailing list I shouldn't be on here you know you you should know that I bought a car by now and <laughs> why are you sending me sales stuff <laughs> what did, did they was the was the texting just for like the direct relationship with the sales rep or did you end up getting marketing stuff through that too um, it was just the direct thing with the uh, with the uh, sales rep. That's okay. all it was. And it was, um, it, you know, like I said, it was good. I actually did a lot of the negotiation over text too. I, you know, I went in for an initial test drive and talked to him. And then I went back to my a day job and spent the afternoon just texting back and forth to the sales rep about the car. So it was actually a... I, it was for me. I actually uh, it was kind of it was kind of a, a different experience because usually you're used to going in there and haggling and oh I got to go check with my manager you know all those stereotypes about buying a car yeah and and I really liked the uh, texting experience because it let me kind of respond when I was ready to respond and like actually think of what I wanted to say before I was you know I, I didn't feel like someone was sitting there telling me to sign the paper or do this it was just like yeah you know I think this is too high and you know, I'd send it and come back an hour later and the person had responded. And, you know, it was actually kind of a good experience that way. It almost, almost makes me wonder if the SMS stuff wasn't controlled by the marketing team. If like, if they kept <laughs> sending, you know, like, um, if they, to your point, like they knew you had bought. So they obviously were, um, did a great, uh, man, the word that I'm trying to think of is escaping my, like they did a great, they had great stewardship over your personal data, at least from the phone, right? Like they didn't mm -hmm. go crazy. It was just for the relationship. They didn't push marketing stuff or whatever. But ta the targeting from email was lacking. So, yes. um, which which I think is fascinating because it, 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 and I'm sure we all do this in our work, right? Well, like you can, you can do like one channel really well and it drives an amazing experience. And then and like you have the mi right mindset in that, like you understand your audience in that channel for that mindset. And then like you completely forget the experience on like some other channel and you know, you're just batching and blasting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think, I think especially in the beat is, I mean, obviously targeting is important, but especially it, in the, B2, in, in the B2B space, because in, in my mind, the biggest advantage B2C has over B2B is that typically you'll have a little more data on the person, or at least a little more specific data, right? Because B2B, it could be, well, you know, who knows who you're dealing with? You know, you could be just dealing with some grunt that wants to get this, you know, like a big, a big software package, but then you got to go through all the approval process, right? And, you know, it's just kind of, it, it's, it's a little bit harder to uh, target. I think you have to be a little more broad, but like, here's another bad experience that I had. So recently, you know, I went in, there's a Cyber Monday deal that I wanted, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I, and, um, you know, I went in and bought this product. I never bought a product from this, this, uh, a company before it was, I'll just say, let's just say it was a, um, an outdoor uh, you know, camping kind of, uh, kind of, uh, uh, product service, you know what I mean? Um, and, and so this, this, uh, retailer, um, you know, I bought this one thing and it was, you know, a very specific item and this, you know, this, this retailer, um, you know, again, didn't have a lot of data on me, but I, they saw that I had purchased this uh, specific item. So I was hoping that, you know, when I'm, you know, when I got follow-up emails from them, they would target me that way. And it was a bad experience in the sense that I was like, I was put on again, a general, 
email list uh, where it was just like, hey, you know, we have all these offers going. It's like, you know what I bought? Can you at least target it somewhat or at least make the very first offer, you know, hey, we have this great camping gear instead of, um, hey, you know, here's our hunting supplies. It's like, you know, that's, that, you know, you have one piece of data on me. Um, can't you at least, you know, use that as a starting point and, and kind of grow? And it was just, it was, it, it was a bad experience in the sense that I felt like I was just put in a big bucket. And then even worse is just the number of emails they sent, you know, it was like, and I understand, you know, you know, uh, you know, it was the holiday season at the time, but it was like two or three emails a day sometimes. And I was just like, get me yeah, off this yeah. list, you know, it's, it, you know, you're just, you're trying too hard. <laughs> and so, you know, I couldn't unsubscribe from that list fast enough. That that's the trap I would, I, um, I haven't sold, uh, I haven't been part of a company that from like a B2C perspective that has like that big of a breadth of products to sell. Right. But a hundred percent, that's the trap with that. Like if you're a, if, if you're a retailer, like an outdoors company and you've got thousands of different products and then you've gone into your email system and set up triggers or whatever, <laughs> based on purchases or page visits or whatever. Um, if you don't keep track of that, you'll get the three a day. You'll get the, um, you'll get the, the emails that just don't matter. And, for, and that's really actually unfortunate too for an outdoor brand because when it, I mean, for experience based like product selling, like outdoors about as easy as it gets. Like you purchase, you purchase a, a, a tent or a sleeping bag or some whatever, a backpack, like from even from a content nurturing perspective, immediately as rather than pitching products, like there are so many pieces of content then you could deliver and serve up mm -hmm. to make sure that they use it, that they have a good experience, that they know what the warranty or, and, and stuff like, you know, right. like, like that's what I would love to receive if I go into an outdoor retailer and I'm like, okay, I'm buying a new backpack. I know it's kind of on the cheaper end. Um, and like, so I get a piece of content that says, here's how to take care of your stuff that you just bought as opposed to, Hey, like, thanks for buying the backpack. You should go buy a gun or whatever. Right. So. Right. Um, well, and, you know, and I think again, if they have data, if they can make a case that I was looking at a gun, you know, if I had visited some of those pages, then, you know, they could say, well, Abel was doing this and, you know, maybe he's also interested in this product. So, I, you know, I'd assume after I bought, they had at least had some, I would hope they had some web information on me, you know, on my, you know, on, on what I was doing online. But I just felt like I was thrown into a big buck. And this was like a major retailer too. This isn't like some mom and pop store where I could be a little more, uh, forgiving you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> this is like a major retailer i'm just like who's running your automation thing because i just it was, yeah the whole experience was bad and i just kind of wondered you know is this this is my experience and granted i'm a little more uh, critical because you know I, I am in automation but it's like if this is the general experience i mean i'd love to see the, like their email stats and what their unsubscribe rate is and stuff like that because you know i just think a little more personalization would go a long way to make their emails more effective and you know probably generate them a lot more revenue as well so how would you suggest like the automation team and that's kind of like if you work for a B2C brand that has a breadth of a lot of products like that, right? Mm -hmm. How would you um, suggest they approach building an automation engine, whether it's through email, website stuff, like what's the, like how should they approach it? 
Um, I think it, it really comes down to getting as much data as you can. And I'm just not talking personal information. It's really having saying, you know, whatever, let's, here's our five ma major categories of stuff that we sell. It's being able to put people in buckets and keeping them in that bucket until they show interest in a different pro uh, product or service until you have some information that says that, you know, that they, you know, that they, that they, you know, uh, again, they're, you know, they stopped looking at tents and now they're looking at, you know, maybe hunting gear or something like that. You know, if you have some kind of, uh, of data that can show that, um, again, you know, uh, then you can move them over into buckets. And part of this is from personal experience. Again, you know, in, you know, I've worked in the B2C space, um, again, with a, you know, with a company that probably has, you know, lots of, lots of products, but again, you know, you can probably categorize all of our products into five or six different buckets. And, you know, I think we do not a perfect job, but I think we do a pretty good job of saying, well, if this person, um, you know, is in this bucket, you know, we need to be careful about, you know, putting them in this, in this other bucket, unless they show some, you know, show some interest, or we have some kind of data that shows the, that maybe they're interested in this product. And I think, you know, again, I think we do a, a good job because we have high engagement rates with our emails. We have low unsubscribe rates. Uh, but, you know, it's just it, it's just kind of finding a balance because, you know, maybe somebody that buys a tent is interested in hunting gear. But, but you know, but again, how, you know, what's the what's the reason for moving them to a different bucket or, you know, is there some, you know, just kind of give just try to at least make some kind of justification instead of just saying, hey, you bought something from us, now we're going to throw everything at you because we don't know anything about you. <laughs> you. You know what I mean? You know, it's just, it, and again, I don't think it, I don't think anybody minds the occasional uh, general marketing email, but again, you know, on B2C, if you have a specific product purchase here, I'll, I'll give you a good example. I'm a runner and I buy my shoes from a very specific um, a store. And it's not, a, it's not necessarily a big chain like Zappos or anything like that. Uh, but I get my uh, running shoes online and they do a very good job. I get the same brand of running shoes all the time. And their, their emails to me occasionally, like I'll get a, you know, a big sale email that, hey, all, all of our running shoes are on sale. But any kind of, I feel that most of their emails are very personalized to that brand that I buy, that they have data on me. And they say, Abel likes this brand of shoes. And so, yes, there's, uh, there will be times when we have big sales that we want able to know about, but most of the emails I get from them is, is you know, hey, and, and it's Brooks, so those, that's the brand of the shoes, but mo most of the emails I get from them is like, hey, our Brooks are on sale, or we have new Brooks, you know, you know, we have these, these new, you know, these new shoes and stuff like that, or here's some new Brooks gear, right? It's very, it's very brand specific. And so I feel like um, they do a very good job of saying, well, we know what Abel likes and we're not going to send him like emails about Nike or Adidas or something like that because he hasn't shown interest in those products. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's like, and to be fair, like that's not an easy task, especially when you've got thousands of products, right? Figuring out right. how broad or how tight to make those buckets the, you know, mm -hmm. how much, how much activity you have to do before you can, you know, add them into another set. Um, so it's certainly not easy to do. Not easy to do, but that's, you know, but that's the fun challenge of automation, right? I mean, that's something that I love doing. It's like, you know, you, uh, again, you're not going to be perfect in automation, but this is where an, an, an AB test comes in, you know, it's like, well, let's send half the people that buy tents down this path and half of them down this path. And let's see if we can start narrowing those buckets or kind of, kind of defining our, our uh, audience better. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, that's, and, and, and so again, you know, I, I don't expect every experience in the automation realm to be perfect, uh, but intentional. You know, Right, right. You know, do I at least feel like they're trying to get to know me? You know, that, you know, again, 
um, you know, it's not a maybe a perfect experience, but you know, with the with the uh, limited data they have, are they trying to make it a more personalized experience? I, you know, and again, you know, I'll go back to that retailer thing. I wouldn't have minded that if it was a, a general email, if they had lead, for example, with tents, right? If maybe the top thing on that email was tents, and then, you know, the rest of the email was all the other stuff that they did. But again, you know, when you're sending me an email and you're highlighting something that I showed no, in, no interest in, and you're doing it two or three times a day, it makes me think that you're just, you know, it's the shotgun approach, and we'll just see what sticks. And that never works in automation. I mean, that's a good way to burn your list and, you know, just create those those bad customer experiences. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is gonna be interesting to see how <clears throat> um, personalization evolves as data security and privacy is like a, continues to be a bigger topic. You know, we've already got Europe and um, Canada with much stricter laws than what, uh, I don't know what your international experience is like, but we've got uh, like, we've, you know, those places are much stricter. Um, mm -hmm. And now you've got, you know, companies that are starting to almost create their own regulations like Google, as far as, you know, what you can and can't do. Um, so as a consumer and, and we're marketers. So I think we always default that like, believe it, like privacy doesn't exist. And like, that's just the reality of it. And so we just want the good experience, but not everybody believes that. And so, um, it will be interesting to see how much we are hindered in our ability to target and, you know, present those kinds of personalized experiences based on whatever kind of behavior, like if people have to opt into, like if it becomes law in the U S that you have to opt into cookies, like, or uh, like every, like stuff like that, um, it's going to make it a, a lot harder. Yeah, well, and and I would say that there's probably a lot of companies out there, at least on the B2B side. Again, I can't speak, you know, um, you know, B2B, uh, but just from my personal experience working in the B2, in the B2C space, um, a lot of times um, um, they don't know who their customer, I mean, at least in the, so at least in the industries I've worked for on the B2C side, like, for example, uh, we don't know who 70% of the people are that come to the website. They're just general That's a good people. point. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so a lot of times you may not even, I mean, they could be returning customers and whatever coming in off a different browser or they've cleared their cookies recently. Um, so I, so, you know, I think, I think the B2C companies that are really on their game right now probably all already deal with this to some degree as far as not knowing who this person is until they, until, for example, they sign in or do, you know, maybe buy something to then sign in at, at, uh, at that point. Um, so I think, you know, I, I, I personally think more, more privacy regulations are coming, <laughs> you know, I, you know, to some degree who, you know, to which degree, I don't know. Uh, but I think that, you know, you know, if I was in the B2C space or even in the B2B space, I'd be, you know, just trying to say, well, how can we make that, exp you know, what can we do right now to kind of prepare for this? What can we do? You know, yeah. there, I'm, I'm sure any company in any space can say, we don't know a lot of the people that are coming to the site. So what can we do to engage these people not knowing who they are or, you know, anything about them? Yeah, hundred percent. Like that should be an assumption pre-made. Like you should, you, like, that what would business be like if you didn't know what 90% of your people on your website would be mm -hmm. like, and how can you still drive personalized experiences that help, you know, well, that deliver what they want to see. Right. And, mm -hmm. and then also, you know, help you drive, help you drive more business. Yeah. So. Yeah. De it's definitely a challenge. And uh, I, again, I think it's a little bit harder on the B2C side than the B2B side because of the, 
for again most products are a short sales cycles like yeah. they're coming there they're looking for something and if you lose them you may not get them back yeah exactly um i, I actually uh are you good for a couple more minutes I actually yeah. have one more okay cool i actually wanted to kind of switch gears back to the sms stuff mm -hmm. and talk about what it it's harder for b2b actually i feel like so um <clears throat> I, I have not, I've been in mostly B2B stuff and have not used admittedly SMS yet. Um, a lot of that has been intentional. So like with a freemium SaaS, like if I were a consumer, I'm not wanting a text. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is SMS's role within B2B? Um, I think I think if you want to use it wisely, I think the best way to use it is in terms of like educational events or webinars, things like that. So, you know, you have an event. I think, you know, I think the big challenge a lot of times when you do like an online educational event now, as most of them are, or some kind of thing is like, how do you get, you know, there could be people that sign up and they just, you know, they just kind of like, you know, they kind of forget that they signed up, that this thing was a next week. Um, I, I've personally seen very good results um, in both B2B and B2C uh, using text for like event reminders and things of that nature. Like, hey, you know, uh, you signed up for this event, it's at noon today, um, here's the link, you know, that maybe 15, 15 minutes before. Um, hey, you know, you signed up for this, do this. Um, the, uh, the other way I think it could work in B2B, and I think it maybe it might be somewhat product specific. Yeah. Uh, but again, if you can just get, you know, you know, I guess, I guess when I'm, when I'm, when I'm thinking of SMS, um, for the most part, I'm not thinking of these, you know, very long, you know, where you're getting a text every day or every week or every month. It's more yeah. of, you know, what if someone could go to your uh, website though, and instead of, uh, maybe filling out a form or something like that. Um, what if they could just text the word uh, white paper or something like that to, you know, to, a, you know, to a short code, <laughs> you know, you know, and then, and then, and then, you know, you could then, you know, maybe send them that in that in information via text. And then maybe if you had an upcoming webinar on that very subject, you could say, Hey, you know, did you enjoy this white paper? We have a webinar next week on it or something like that and try to engage people that way. I don't see it as, you know, like you sign up and I sign up by the way for lots of SMS services because I'm, you know, from the automation side, I want to see how they do it and how often they do it and what, and what can I uh, learn from it. But I think it, I, I, again, if you can keep it very targeted to something that they're interested in, um, um, I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, a very high engagement. I know from personal experience, once we, once we started using SMS reminders for like webinars and ed ed education events, we saw attendance like shoot up dr uh, dr uh, dr dramatically because people, you know, opted into this reminder and there was, uh, it was really nice for them to say, oh, I can just click this on my phone and I can watch this event instead of having maybe to go to my desk and where's this email and, you know, it was just a better user experience for them. Yeah. Okay. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me from the event perspective, um, because that's the only place that if I'm anywhere, usually it, the message might still get to me. Um, and particularly if it's opt in, then there's no harm done. Like it doesn't matter, like, <laughs> which it yeah. should be anyways, quite not like, obviously, like it hundred percent should be opt in anyways. And, um, in that respect and then there's probably no no harm i I, th I think i agree with you as far as 
really effective use cases of SMS though, it does seem at least for me to be more product focused, uh, like, and banking's the best example, like two mm -hmm. months ago, uh, my wife was trying to get something on like Walmart, but like the orders were whack. So she, she had to like split it up into three orders and like placed them really quick. Well, that alerted, uh, my credit card company to be like, Hey, it could be fraudulent. And I got a text. So I got an email mm -hmm. and a text, but I saw mm -hmm. the text. Yeah. And, and which was, I was like a huge fan of, like, I loved it. I immediately was able to get on cause it was a big deal. I've already had my identity stolen once and to get in and check and make sure, talk to my wife, make sure it was legit. Like that product stuff, hundred percent SMS is like mm -hmm. gold because mm -hmm. that's driving such value from the experience. Yeah, and I've seen it set up like again, you know, you can even use it on a long tail experience where, you know, I've set up campaigns like for uh, mortgages, for example, or something like that, where you're not only getting email reminders, you know, say like, you know, you're, you know, you're going through the whole loan process. So, you know, you're being reminded that, hey, you're, you know, your loan's gone to underwriting and things like that. You're getting various emails, just kind of, just kind of status updates. Uh, but even having select text messages like, hey, you know, uh, we just, you know, we just um, assigned your uh, closing. Uh, ch please check your 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 inbox or something for uh, details. I think, you know, again, you use it uh, selectively. Uh, again, as you said, like very something that's very product specific, something that they're already involved in. Um, you know, I think you'll see really good, re you know, really good results from that. Yeah, that and again with opt-in, and if you're like really clear in your opt-in too on like what you'll mm -hmm. be sending then that I think presents an, an easy case to test out what engagement like what might be like with there because the last thing you want to do is be like half of the candidates that ran for office this past year that <laughs> sent me texts and yeah. even the phone was like we think this is spam <laughs> right? right yeah well, so. yeah it just it just gets it just gets uh, annoying right again you know so, maybe so bad. maybe a, maybe a text once in a while hey don't forget to vote for this person okay cool you know that's great but yeah when they're like i'm, I'm sure your experience with the same where they're like daily or multiple times a day from different numbers and yep. you know this you know this candidate says this and this says this it's like you know i don't want to be part of this you know yep, it's like no you know, right yeah it's like yeah, and then I, then I'm thinking like, how did I opt into these anyway? <laughs> I don't I, I don't remember signing up for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I wouldn't do this. What the heck? Yeah. Yeah. So so I I think I think you know I think SMS is powerful, especially driving engagement. But I think I I still think a lot of companies are still learning how to do it. And um, um, you know, if there are any B two B people out there that use it outside of maybe events or uh, webinars or things like that, I'd be curious to know what their experience is with it. I I think Me too. you can make. I think you can make a case for it, uh, uh, but I, again, it's more, I think right now the B2C people kind of have the advantage there because, again, people can opt in again to something very specific, whether it's, you know, a car or product updates or, you know, a, you know something like that and, and, and get it. But, I, again, the engagement rate off text is extreme. It's way higher than email. Um, so I think at some level, especially if you're B2B, you have to have some kind of at least a, you know, some kind of minimal SMS presence where again, you know, the, the uh, consumer can opt in to receive certain text messages. And I think, again, if you're judicious about it, yep. um, I think you can really see some success with that. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a great review. Um, see, this has been a fun conversation. I know you're like full of knowledge with this kind of stuff. So it's fun chatting with you. Um, 
you do you write and stuff too so give like a shameless plug for some of the other kind of fun stuff that you do <laughs> yeah so i'm an author as well and actually my back my background just so you know is in is in writing i was actually a technical writer and a copywriter before i got into automation um so it's you know it's for me, it was a natural transition to not only write the email, but now I can build it and send it. It's part of the whole storytelling process, right? It's, yeah. not, it's not only what are you saying, but how often are you saying it and who are you sending this a message to? So automation was a natural uh, transition that way. But no, I've written seven books. Uh, I got an eighth one coming out here pretty quick. And so I've been, uh, yeah, no, I love writing. Um, I actually, uh, so my side gig, if you want to know, I actually do a lot of relationship coaching. Uh, so I've written some uh, dating guides. And so, um, um, yeah, just love again, the, you know, the storytelling and helping people out and uh, using automation, but in my own little side gig too, and using that very uh, effectively as far as people coming onto my mailing list and, you know, reminding them about coaching sessions and things like that. That's awesome. All right. So if you're interested in that stuff, uh, where would they find you? Yeah, they can go to my personal website is ablekeo.com. That's www.abelkeogh.com. Sweet. Um, awesome. Thanks for the time, man. I really appreciate it. You're, you're a, a, a model to me as far as how to, how to implement automation stuff. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat. Thanks, Michael. It's good to catch up again and see you again. Yeah, absolutely.